know what time it is? It's time to ball about the South with C. Wood. Ball about the South. Coming at you from a Southern perspective on the NFL, NBA, HBCU, and of course, some of the best talk and analysis on the SEC. Real sports talk. Real Southern flavor. Follow me and the show at C. Wood on Sports on X and IG. And now, it's time to ball about the South. Yes, sir. That was Eli Gold of the Alabama, I think, Crimson Tide Sports Network calling what was one of the most incredible plays that I have ever seen as an Alabama fan, as a college football fan, as a football fan, period. One of the most incredible, crazy, insane plays as Alabama beats the Auburn Tigers 27-24 on that 4th and 31 touchdown pass from Jalen Milrow to Bond. Isaiah Bond, that is. <laughs> For the winning score, Alabama goes on and wins the Iron Bowl in absolutely dramatic fashion. Yes, what's good, what's good? It is C. Wood, and I am back with you again with this, the latest and the greatest episode of Ball About the South with C. Wood. Really want to thank you for coming in to join me. You guys know I had to kind of start off with that. What a crazy game, man. I mean, and it's the thing is, you get accustomed to that, especially when the, when the Iron Bowl is played in Auburn. I mean, it, it just you just don't know what is going to happen in, in these games, especially when they're down there. I mean, the rivalry, don't get me wrong, is, is uh, I still think, right up there with any other rivalry, maybe even better than uh, some of the other ones. Everybody probably throws up Ohio State, Michigan, and that we'll talk about that game, which was also a really, really good game with a really good finish. We'll talk a little bit about that game a little bit later in the show. But, man, I, I just... <laughs> I don't know what to say about it, man. I, I was just really speechless. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone back and played that play back over and over again. Not just the play, but everything surrounding it. Everything leading up to that play was just incredible. Just incredible. And, and um, you yeah, know, look, I'm, obviously I'm an Alabama fan. I make no bones about that on this podcast. Uh, I try to keep everything objective as possible, though. I try to keep it real. Um... Look, man, it, it, it was just one of the most incredible moments I've ever seen as an Alabama fan, and I just really loved it. But there's the other side to that one, and uh, I'm going to play for you the, the Auburn side of this 
um, of this clip. Here's the Auburn radio voice calling this play again at the Iron Bowl just Saturday night. Field four, Jalen Milrow on fourth and goal from the 31. Milrow to throw out of the shotgun with time. Still with time. He looks. He throws to the back of the end zone. It is caught for a touchdown. Isaiah Bond with the catch. Andy, what they did was they gave him so much time in the pocket, it allowed Isaiah Bond to get to the back of the line against one-on-one against DJ. And all Miro did was hold the rest of the defense with his eyes and throw the ball to the back line and let his guy go up and catch it because DJ couldn't get his head turned around. That's the only thing. I don't like rushing three in those situations. But So, yes, that was the Auburn Radio Network voice. Andy Bertram, he is the play-by-play caller there for the Auburn Tigers. Definitely a lot different sound to the way he called that fourth and 31 play by Jalen Milrow to Isaiah Bond than we heard with Eli Golden. And I will say I was happy that Eli Golden, if you guys don't know Eli Golden, he has been the the play-by-play guy for Alabama for a long time, probably like 30 years or something like that. But he's also... Uh, he's kind of iconic around here, anyway. Um, he's done a lot of other sports as well, like professional sports, mainly on the radio. But uh, so he's he's kind of has an iconic voice. He had, he had a deal with cancer last year, and so he was unable to call Alabama games last season. And this season, he until this past Saturday in the Iron Bowl, he was he had only called the home games so far. Uh, they had Chris Stewart calling the games on the road. But I guess since Auburn is not that far away, uh, his treatments and all of that, I guess, have been going okay for him. They allowed him to go down and call the Auburn game this past weekend. And it's just, I think, made it even more fitting that he be there for a play like that or a game like that. So, you know, man, just really incredible stuff. But back to the Auburn side of this thing, because that's why I want to start. Um, what I mean, what were they doing? <laughs> like I say, man, look, as as happy as I am that Alabama was able to pull off that play and win the Iron Bowl, I I I, I don't understand what Auburn was doing on that play on two fronts. I mean, really, the the defensive line front, especially. Well, yeah, I mean, really, especially because they only had three rushes or three that were at the line of scrimmage. Everyone else was back around the goal line um, trying to keep everything in front of them, which, okay, I'm okay with that to a degree. I'm not. It's not bad that you got three up front, but one of those guys doesn't need to spy Jalen Milrow like they, had, like they had been doing all game. No one needed to spy anyone on a fourth and 31. I mean, if... <laughs> You would think there would be no way for Jalen Milrow or you name a quarterback that has speed and, and agility or whatever. I mean, uh, Vince Young. I mean, I go way back with this thing. Vince Young, Michael Vick, whoever, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Justin Fields. I mean, whoever, you name a quarterback. Maybe Jalen Hurts. Maybe Jalen Hurts could sit there and get to the goal line and he could – 
can maybe run somebody over or whatever. Other than that, <laughs> there was no one that was going to be able to run for 31 yards and um, be able to run through those eight defenders that were back there. You would not think anyway. So I, I'm not understanding why they had a spy. And, the, and he just stood there and just kind of just got blocked off or whatever instead of maybe at least after a couple seconds trying to rush Milrow and maybe rush the throw, anything. They did not do that. And then on the backside of it, obviously the defensive back never turned his head. I don't think he ever knew that the ball was even really coming to Isaiah Bond. And next thing you know, there the ball is, there the ball is in Isaiah Bond's hands. And there's a touchdown for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So Auburn played this thing terribly wrong. There's no question about that. So you have to sit there and think about it from that point of view. Uh, you know, Alabama was really fortunate. Let's just, you know, have to be real about that. But on the flip side of it, too, though, there's, there's, you know, um, it's, it still took some um, skill. It still took execution because guess what I mean still Jalen Miro had to make the throw I mean he <laughs> he threw it to to a spot back in the left corner of the end zone he threw it to a spot and that spot had to be spot on I mean it couldn't be a couple inches to the left Isaiah Bunn's out of bounds a, cu- a couple yards or a yard too far Isaiah's out of bounds in the back of the end zone okay so and then for Isaiah Bond to catch the ball with all of that going on, all that on the line, in the end zone with all those screaming fans, uh, most of them Auburn fans, there was a lot to it. So even though, yes, Auburn definitely gifted Alabama that opportunity to win that game, they gifted Alabama a chance to have the Milrow miracle. That's what they're calling it. They're calling it the Milrow, Milrow miracle, and I, I totally love it. But still Alabama executed the play as about as well as you could and hey got to give them credit for that as far as I can tell you um they practice those type plays all the time so while yes Auburn gifted it to us Alabama definitely took it and ran away with it with the victory all the way back to Tuscaloosa the Miro miracle man and it's just uh, that is another thing that really makes this thing even sweeter, the, that victory even sweeter this past Saturday night. Because you've heard, you've heard me talk about Jalen Miro on this show many times. You heard me talk about him um, back in September when the first, you know, first games of the season, especially after the Texas loss, how even his own fan base, Alabama fans, came down on him. And look, no one has ever said that he didn't deserve criticism. But the level of criticism that I saw with my own eyes, that I heard with my own ears on social media, sports shows, you name it, was way over the top. It was ridiculous, the type of stuff that I heard about Jalen Milrow and it's because, look, man, um, these Alabama fans did not want to see a quarterback, did not feel like the Alabama Crimson Tide football team, the program should be in a position where a quarterback has to kind of 
improve or has to kind of uh, 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 grow during the season. They feel like, well, we've had the Jalen Hurts and we've had the um, Tua Tonga Valoas and the Mac Joneses and then the, the Bryce Youngs of the world. And those guys were just kind of ready to come in and play to a degree anyway. It's like, okay, what is this? I mean, what is this development talk? I mean, what are we? I mean, we don't develop QBs. We sit there and we throw them out and we win championships. And it just doesn't work out like that every time. I don't care what program it is. So, and then for everything that went down, like I said, everything surrounding that place, surrounding the Miro Miracle, the play before that, where you, uh, the two plays before that, actually. Okay, one the bad snap. I, I no, I think what it was. I don't think it was a bad snap by Seth McLaughlin, McLaughlin, who was the center for Alabama. I think it was. Uh, they were off cadence. I think that uh, the snap count was missed by either Milro or McLaughlin. The ball rolls all the way back to the twenty-six yard line. <laughs> Milro does the correct thing. He falls on it, doesn't try to pick it up or anything, and maybe risk fumbling it again. And then, of course, the next play, for the second time in the game, Jalen Milrow scrambles and scrambles and scrambles and then goes beyond the line of scrimmage and makes a pass, which obviously is is illegal. You cannot do that. So you get another five-yard penalty and you lose the down. So then that makes it fourth down. And all I could hear, I was like, man, the thing that I went and thought about at that moment, it was like, man, everything that Jalen Milrow has done to grow and develop this season to, into what he is right now from, you know, from him being this trash quarterback as as <laughs> as described by his own fans, supposedly fans of Alabama, calling him trash. He's not a quarterback. He should be a running back, despite the fact that he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. Okay, four-star quarterback, despite the fact that he came to Alabama to play quarterback. Oh, he's not a quarterback. He can't do this. He can't read defenses. He can't do that. He can't. He's he's uh, his intermediate passing game is non-existent. All of this and everything under the sun. What was said about Jalen Milrow and all that came flashing back at me when he made when made that last mistake. And I was like, man, all of that growth he's done this season, man. It's like, you know what, man? I'm sitting there thinking, you know, look, you can't let that get to you. You can't let these fans get to you. You you, you had a hell of a season. You've made a hell of a comeback. And you're going to be the starting quarterback coming back next season, whether they like it or not. And I was like, you know, this game's probably over, man. It's not over. We're gonna, it's not going to be over till the clock hits zero, but it's not looking good. <laughs> and lo and behold, Jalen Milrow comes back and makes one more play, and he shuts them up again. Just, cl- I mean, absolutely classic stuff. Absolutely classic stuff from this young man, Jalen Milrow. And to hear him say roll tide one more time after the CBS interview with the, uh, the, the sideline reporter or whatever. And that was everything. It was everything the other night. 
so proud of that dude, man, and, and I'm so proud of his development here as a quarterback at the University of Alabama. And he gets a, he gets another big stage coming up this coming Saturday. This is the big one right here. Got the Georgia Bulldogs in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. SEC championship game, everything on the line possibly. We're going to talk about what could be on the line for Alabama. We all we know what's on the line for Georgia. And by the way, I guess I have to I guess I have to congratulate the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> they win their 29th consecutive game, which is a it was a, which is an SEC record. The previous records were owned were owned by the University of Alabama back in one one of them was back in the late seventies to nineteen eighty. Uh, and the other one was in the nineties. Twenty eight games on a row that Alabama won. The first one Bear Bryant, second one Gene Stallings. There was a national championship in both of those. I was here full throttle for the second one, nineteen ninety two first national championship I really really remember I, you know I was just barely around the last time before that that Alabama won a national championship back in 1979 I was just kind of kicking a little bit but yes sir yes sir uh, uh, really incredible stuff but uh, that Georgia has pulled off. So I have to give them props for that. They won their 29th in a row to break that record. I was thinking that the 29th would not come until this coming weekend. I was like, man, that would be perfect for Alabama to sit there and deny Georgia that record. But they already hit the 29th, so it's, it's not a big deal anymore. But anyway, congrats to them. And they have had an incredible run. They have. And... Uh, that sets up for a huge game this Saturday. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot more about that SEC championship game. I'll give you my prediction. All of that good stuff here a little bit later in the show. But, uh, yeah, look, man, that's incredible stuff there. Really an incredible, really, really incredible weekend of football. But before I get to any more of that, before I go further off into the weekend and before I kind of close out, this Iron Bowl thing, because look, man, Alabama, sit there, you go back and you look at that game, did not play well. Did not play well. Uh, it's this one of those things that happens when you go to Auburn. Alabama heads to Auburn. When they go to the Plains, crazy things happen. We've seen the kick six, and, and, and then, you know, and that brings up another point about this whole thing. It's the 10 year anniversary, man. This was the 10-year anniversary of the kick six for that play to happen. They celebrated with the uh, Chris Davis, who was the guy that ran, back, ran the kick back and all of that. They had a ceremony and all that <laughs> for it being the 10th year, the 10th anniversary of the kick six for that to happen in Alabama to deliver the blow. is insane. Crazy insane. Another part of that was, you know, uh, right before that kick, right before the kick six, Alabama. I can't remember on the, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but they, Auburn has never let it live. Let Auburn, let Alabama forget that it was one second. Alabama could have run that last second off, and we weren't even talking about the kick six. The game would have gone to overtime, right? But 
Alabama player goes out of bounds, leaves one second. One second on the clock. So that's what gives Nick Saban the idea that, well, okay, let's go on and kick this field goal and see if we can win it. Okay. And Auburn fans have given Alabama grief for that one second for 10 years. <laughs> Solid 10 years. I still was seeing Auburn fans just the other day before this uh, the Iron Bowl kicked off the other day talking about one second. <laughs> and it comes down to this play this past Saturday night where Alabama had a point zero one chance to win the game according to I guess it was the computers, the ESPN computers or whatever it was, whatever you call that. When that when that fourth and thirty one play came up, Alabama had a point zero one chance to win the game. How fitting is that? <laughs> How fitting is the is it that the Miro miracle happened on the 10th anniversary of the kick six and how fitting is it that it was that zero that point zero one that came back to haunt auburn this time and not the alabama crimson tide crazy anyway man like i say it was an incredible weekend of football uh obviously college football a lot of really good games in the, in the nfl uh finishing off kind of starting off with that crazy Green Bay Packer uh, upset over the Detroit Lions on Thursday, Turkey Day. Hope, by the way, I hope you and yours, your family, friends, and all of that. I hope you had a uh, fabulous Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving Day. Hope you ate a lot of good food, a lot of good turkey dressing, macaroni and cheese, potato salad, greens, whatever you wanted. If chitlins were your move, I hope you I hope you enjoyed them. <laughs> Whatever it was, barbecue, however you enjoyed uh, Turkey Day or uh, Thanksgiving Day, I definitely hope you enjoyed it very much. So anyway, anyway, but uh, it started off with Green Bay pulling off that surprise there at Ford Field, and kind of you know went on to. You know, pretty decent game that Thursday night, I guess, sort of with the 49ers. Obviously, had a clunker, as expected, between the Cowboys and the Commanders. Nothing, no, nothing shocking there. He had a Black Friday game. He had the Jets and the Dolphins. Of course, that went pretty much according to form. No, no surprise there. But we did get a really good ending on Sunday with that Philadelphia-Buffalo overtime matchup. Jalen Hurts. Doing it again. I mean, look, man, it was just a count. It was just a Jalen kind of weekend, and both of those guys obviously have big ties to Alabama. So it was a really good weekend of football. Really, really good weekend of football. We'll talk a little bit more about the NFL here a little bit later, but you got to go back to Saturday, the first game out of the gates on Saturday up there at the big house. Ann Arbor, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines pull it off 30-24 to 24 over their huge rivals, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Really good football game. Um, I'm telling you, J.J. McCarthy, I mean, look, man, I, I, I know this kid was really good. That dude really impressed me more than, than I've seen or more than I've been impressed with him 
And it's like, I guess he's what, a junior or senior right now? Um, this dude was really on point. He made some big time throws in that football game. Really, really big time throws. And I think he was the difference. That, that quarterback matchup was not surprised. That quarterback matchup was the difference, in my opinion, in that game. And uh, congrats to uh, the Michigan Wolverines. They they move up to number two in the college football playoff rankings with that victory. Huge victory. And uh, now they have to go to the Big, 12, uh, Big Ten championship game and take care of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, which they should do, but, man, I was a tricky team with that defense, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, again, really huge win. And so, yeah, like I say, man, just an incredible day, an incredible weekend of football, and I hope you got to enjoy a lot of it. Speaking of the college football playoff rankings, let's kind of get into that for a quick few minutes. Nothing surprising about it, in my opinion. I think... Everything was uh, uh, true to form. For me, uh, for me, I start. I, I kind of started off because it's been a couple weeks since I've joined you, and I apologize for that. But um, uh, my first couple of polls, I had Ohio State as the number one team because, and basically because of who they, who they had beaten at that time. There was no one else that that were among the undefeated. The five teams that are still undefeated right now, no one. I'm sorry, the four teams that are still undefeated. Um, but at that time, it was five. No, None of those teams had a victory at Notre Dame and then a victory over top ten team like Penn State. Those were, you know, for me, that was enough. Because, obviously, this thing's going to shake itself out. It's going to play itself out. If Ohio State's real, then maybe they will stay up there. But I'm not saying Ohio State wasn't real. There's nothing... There's no crime in going to lose a close game like they did in Ann Arbor. I mean, there's no, no crime in that. So, but at that time, I had the number one. And there was, after that, after Georgia beat Missouri, then I kind of, in my poll, I slid Georgia ahead of Ohio State. But I had them, uh, those two teams, one and two, uh, behind them. At first, I had Michigan out. I had Michigan five. Because Michigan really is not, in my opinion, until they beat, uh, who was that that they beat? I guess it was Penn State. And they did that at Happy Valley. Uh, they really, even though they were really dominant in all of their games, or at least most of them, they really had not had a signature win. So, I mean, to me, Washington had a signature win. Florida State had a couple, at least one, if you want to sit there and call it signature wins, uh, because now Clemson has kind of gotten back to, you know, being pretty decent. They're ranked again. So, uh, for me, I you know, the LSU win for FSU and the Clemson win were more than anything Michigan had done until Michigan finally beat Penn State. So then, after that, I slid Michigan back into the top four. So right now, right now, for me, the top Really, the top eight is is correct the way that the committee has it. I had it uh, uh, Georgia one, Michigan two. I've got Washington three. I've had Washington in my four as well. Uh, obviously, Florida State at four, Oregon five, Ohio State six. 
the one thing I did say it, it, uh, maybe like uh, two, three weeks ago is that before Oregon beat Oregon State this past weekend, uh, I can't remember who else it was that they beat. Uh, for me, Oregon really had not had a signature win. So really, actually, I had Texas above Oregon. And, you know, for me, Texas, Texas has, and I'm not saying this because I'm an Alabama fan or anything like that, but for me, Texas, to me, has the most impressive victory of any of these teams that are still alive to get into the playoff. They went on the road and they beat Alabama by 10 points. Yeah, okay, it was back in week two. Yeah, okay, I understand Texas has lost the game since then. Yeah, I understand Texas has um, not looked as good until this past week when they obliterated Texas Tech here last week. But before that, they had struggled. They had the injury to Quinn Ewers. All those things happened to the Longhorns since they left Tuscaloosa with that big victory. But still, that win is better than anything that anyone else is going to be able to pull up, it's at least as far as it being on the road. I mean, look, man, Michigan beating Ohio State is very impressive. But they did it at the, they did it at the, at the house. They did it at home. It's not taking anything away from them. But right now, <laughs> the way this thing has turned out, and Alabama is a better team than they were when Texas beat them in September, still, the fact matter. The fact of the matter remains: Texas won that game in Tuscaloosa. So while for me the the, the committee has all Oregon at number five, I have Texas at five. That's how I have. Well, I'm sorry, I have Texas at six. I still have Ohio State at five. I didn't drop them that far, but it really doesn't matter about where you drop Ohio State right now. I've seen a few people talk about, well, oh, but that shows you that where the committee's mind is if they only dropped Ohio State to number six. Well, you don't drop Ohio State all the way down just yet. You have Alabama and Texas have work to do to, to pass Ohio State. You can't just drop them down because, oh, well, Ohio State, we know they're not going to be able to do anything this Saturday because they don't play. You can't just automatically drop them down. Alabama and Texas have to do something to pass them, in my opinion, and Oregon. So that's why I have Ohio State at five. And I have Oregon at, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I have Texas at six, I have Oregon at seven, I have Alabama at eight. So that's my eight. Um, And it's really crazy that all eight of these teams are still alive. Now, for the Alabama side of this thing, Obviously, the Crimson Tide has to beat Georgia this coming Saturday. There's there's no other way <laughs> that Alabama's getting in the playoff, okay? Uh, we all know that. But, okay, let's say Alabama does beat them. What does that mean? Does that mean there are a lot of Alabama fans that are into the assumption that if Alabama wins this game, they're in. I'm, you know, look, man, I'm not ready to say that at all. I, I just, no matter what happens, of all those teams, if, you know, we know Oregon and Washington's going to kind of cancel themselves out. One of those teams has to lose. Okay. So, uh, obviously, both of them are not going to make the playoffs. All right. 
uh, Ohio State, if Alabama wins, they're going to leapfrog Ohio State. So technically right now, Alabama's really sixth. But if Florida State wins, do you you can't, I mean, are you going to put Alabama above Florida State? If Texas wins the Big 12 championship, guess what? Texas beat Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really understanding how some people figure that they're just automatically going to place Alabama above those teams. I think one of those teams is going to have to lose for Alabama to get in. At least one. So we'll see how it works out. And and, and then there's no guarantee that especially uh, if, I don't know, Oregon wins that I don't know. I guess it really doesn't matter which one of those teams wins that game. It doesn't automatically mean Alabama's going to jump over. Especially, okay, let's say if, if it's Oregon that wins that game. It's not written in stone that Alabama's going to jump Oregon. So we'll see how it goes, man. It's going to be very interesting to see. Again, we'll talk about that game. What are the chances that Alabama actually does pull this thing off against Georgia? The last team to beat Georgia. The one, you know, with Georgia winning 29 straight, setting the SEC record, the one thing that I can kind of (laughs) uh, take a little bit of a smile about it was the last team that beat Georgia was the Alabama Crimson Tide 2021 SEC Championship game. We'll see how it goes. Before I go, before I switch gears to the NFL, we're going to get into some NFL talk here in just a couple minutes. A lot of hiring, firings and a, and a couple of hirings going on around college football. Since I talked with you last, uh, we had Zach Arnett losing his job there at Mississippi State. Uh, here this past week, Hugh Jackson losing his job at Grambling State. Um, I mean, man, uh, I was a little bit surprised at that. Um, but probably the big one around here, Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Which was no surprise at all. Jimbo Fisher, uh, once they... You know, but they they hit that third or fourth loss this season, man. It was pretty much over for him. I think he knew that. Everyone there at Texas A&M knew that. And they replaced him with Mike Elko, who was their defensive coordinator just a few seasons ago. Uh, he leaves the Duke Blue Devils to head back to Aggieland. That should be interesting. I think it's a really good hire. There were some reports that kind of leaked out that they uh, the Aggies were looking at Mark Stoops, which was uh, obviously made no sense. And then it kind of got back to say, no, we really actually meant Bob Stoops, who hasn't coached in quite a while since leaving Oklahoma <laughs> several seasons ago. Oh, uh, man, I mean, that was, it's just been really crazy. It really has been. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Texas A&M will have a new head coach, Mike Elko, and boy, boy, they're going to be lighter in the pants. The wallets, at least their boosters and all of that. Paying, I forget the, the exact number, it was $160, $170 million <laughs> to jump off fish. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Oh, man. I, I knew that that was not going to work when Jimbo Fisher left FSU. I mean, Jimbo Fisher is 
you know, almost 100% responsible for what happened at Florida State. And, you know, it, it just was not going to work out there at Texas A&M. Texas A&M still has that mentality that they, you know, everyone else but the head coach really runs things there. You don't have that. You've got to have that CEO-type head coach there. I don't know if Mike Elko can necessarily be that. But I think from just a football perspective, it's a good hire. Um, but that's what you need. You need that one voice in that in a program like that. Texas, Texas is kind of maybe, maybe they have done it with uh, Steve Sarkeesian. That's what you have to have. The Alabama, Alabama program went through the same thing before they got Nick Saban. Same thing. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Everybody, people with the money has all the say-so. Board of trustees. All of that. Alabama fixed that by getting Nick Saban. Texas maybe have fixed that with Steve Sarkeesian. Now Texas A&M. I, I don't know. It just, we'll have to see how it works. We'll have to see. So anyway, so and by the way, shout out to the Steve Sarkeesian man. Look, I I doubted this Texas team, and we'll see. They still have one more hurdle to get over. My man at Strike Seven Sports, we kind of talked about this early in the season before the season started. He predicted Texas would make the college football playoff. They are really close to doing so. I'll you know look, man. If I'm wrong, I, I did not think Texas would make it. Uh, like I say, if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong. Shout out to Derek Branch, Strike Seven Sports, man. Uh, your, your, your team, that's well, not your team, I know that. He's more an LSU fan, I think. But uh, he's definitely been on Texas making the playoff, and they'll step closer to doing so. Make sure you check out Derek Branch, Strike Seven Sports. Really, really good podcast good website talking sports in uh memphis area louisiana big time new orleans saints fan if you're a saints fan you definitely need to check that out be sure you give him a shout man on twitter and all of that at strike seven sports so but yeah we'll see how it goes texas has that one last hurdle to get into the big 12 championship game and um they just might be able to do it Anyway, man, and, and, and then the other part about this whole thing with Alabama maybe not making it. This is the first year that, the, you know, teams in the Pac-12 have held up their end of the bargain. They've, they've been up there toward the top before, and then they'll lose a couple games, and then, boom, it's, it's over with, just like USC did last season. These teams, Washington and Oregon, have held strong so far. So give them props. It's just really crazy, though. <laughs> it's just really crazy that they play it like this, that they finally maybe get over the top and get another team into the playoff, and it's the last year of their existence. <laughs> oh, man, crazy. Anyway, man, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to take a quick break, come back. We're talking NFL. You listen to the ball about the South. See what? All right, y'all, let's go ahead and switch gears and get into some NFL. A lot going down last week. We had a really huge game in the AFC South. 
Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to the red-hot Houston Texans and uh, really one of the games of the day. Would have been the game of the day if not for that aforementioned Philadelphia and um, uh, Buffalo game. But uh, 24-21 victory for the Jaguars. Huge victory for them because it gives them some breathing room in the AFC South if they sit 8-3. and three. Um, And the Texans fall to 6-5 and five as they fall full two games back. That would have been a huge win for the Texans to keep them in the race to win that division. Uh, obviously, and that would have given the Texans the basically the lead because the Texans beat Jacksonville earlier this season, so they would have owned the tiebreaker there. But uh, Jacksonville was able to survive. I mean, uh, the Texans had the football there late in the game with a chance to tie it up or take the lead with a touchdown or whatever, but Jacksonville's defense stepped up to the plate. They were able to get to C.J. Stroud a couple of times. And Jacksonville now owns a commanding two-game lead in the AFC South. So, uh, again, really, really nice effort from the Texans despite all of that. Uh, you had uh, basically C.J. Stroud going 26-36, of 36, two touchdowns in the game. Coming off a game where he threw three interceptions and a victory the week before. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, C.J. Stroud, man, he, this dude is continuing to do his thing despite the loss. So, uh, you got some people throwing it out there that this dude should be in the MVP con- uh, discussion, not just offensive MVP, not just offensive rookie of the year, but just the flat-out MVP. And so this game probably slows some of that down, obviously, because, I mean, you, I would think that you'd be talking about a guy that has a team that's, you know, headed to the playoffs or whatever. And right now I think the Texans would be on the outside looking in. But still, the Texans doing very, really well. Jamaica uh, Ryans, I would think, it would have to be up there for uh, coach of the year right now. I don't think there's any question about that. But uh, we'll see how that plays out. But Trevor Lawrence in that game, 23-38, really good game from him, 364 yards, one touchdown. He did throw a pick. Passer rating was only a 90. Uh, C.J. Stroud was 116. Again, this dude is just doing his thing. Um, and Jaguars made enough plays. Calvin really had a big touchdown there. Nico Collins... Wide receiver for the Texans continues doing his thing. Nine I'm sorry, seven receptions on nine targets, 104 yards. He had a touchdown in that game, 24-21. So I think the Jaguars go ahead from here and probably go ahead and wrap up this division here in the next few weeks. But we'll see. Uh, also in the division, the Indianapolis Colts come away with a big win. And the Colts, man, look. This kids continue to hang around. Obviously, uh, Anthony Richardson went down. Now here in the Garden of Minshew has an injury of his own that's, um, that they're concerned about for this week's game a little bit, but they had enough to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have fallen big time on hard times. Now uh, they beat them 27-20 to 20 in that game there at Lucas Oil Stadium. So uh, Colts go to 6-5. and five. 
The Titans in that division go to four and seven. They finally win another game against the Carolina Panthers, and that's kind of what I want to talk about really quick. Um, obviously, you probably heard Derrick Henry really kind of stepping up and speaking up for Mike Vrabel, speaking up for his head coach after the humiliating loss in Jacksonville last Sunday. Carolina Panthers dealing with similar situation where uh, Frank Reich has not been received well. This has been a horrific season. Uh, the offense is terrible. Defensively, they're not horrible, but, I mean, it's just not a whole lot the defense can do when the offense is just giving them, giving the other team the ball back constantly. They're going to get worn out. Um, just a terrible situation. So, obviously, caught up in the middle of all that is Bryce Young. Well, Frank Reich has been relieved of his duties. He was um, shown the door the other day, Monday, after his um, loss to, uh, to Tennessee. So, uh and this is, I mean, look, man, <laughs> this whole thing has been really, really crazy. I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, there is there is no stability at all in that front office there at Carolina. Tepper, I think is his name, that is the owner of the team. He comes out, has a press conference. I mean, of course, it really kind of stirred the pot a little bit. A lot of people were trying to think that, trying to say that he was like, okay, well, we we, we really should have drafted C.J. Stroud instead of, B, instead of um, Bryce Young. I didn't really get that from what he said necessarily. But you wonder by him coming out saying that in the press conference, is that what he really meant? Is that, okay, you know what, yeah, we, we kind of made a mistake in bringing in, CJ, bringing in Bryce Young instead of C.J. Stroud. I'm not really sure that's what he's trying to say or not. He says, you know, he gives Bryce basically this vote of confidence. They, you know, the usual, well, we, we have full confidence in him. We think that he is the right pick. We think we made the right pick. I don't know, man. We'll see. But Frank Reich loses his job. Obviously, there was some questioning whether or not Frank Reich really wanted Bryce Young uh, back after the draft and into um, training camp. So, what does this mean now going ahead? Uh, we'll see who they uh, come up with as the replacement. I mean, really, the thing is, man, uh, this the management with Carolina has been, you know, they make hasty moves. There, There's no kind of patience. There's no kind of stability at all. And I mean, it, it, who knows what's going to happen right now. So it'll be interesting to see. They should never have fired Steve Wilkes from last season. I mean, that it goes all the way back to that. Steve Wilkes took over um, after Matt Rule was let go. Matt Rule was horrible. Same kind of situation, actually. And Carolina was <laughs> was done. I mean, you stick a fork in them, and they come back, and they nearly made the playoffs. They finished 7-10, and 10, but obviously, you know, that was pretty close to getting to the playoffs out of the NFC South. And it's going to probably be the same way this season. Right now, you have the Falcons and the Saints leading the division at five and six. So more than likely, 
you're going to be looking at a team that's 8 and 9 that's going to make the playoffs after winning the NFC South. So, same kind of thing, but Wilkes had that team playing a lot better. I'm just not understanding why they did not go back with him. I'm not, I just don't really, I, I don't get it. So, here the Panthers are. Here Bryce Young is with everybody coming down on him. Uh, obviously, he's seeing everything in the news. C.J. Stroud is lighting it up. C.J. Stroud is looking like offensive rookie of the year, maybe the MVP, and Bryce Young is looking like a bust. It's, it's really a terrible situation right now. But, you know, again, I, I think that you know, you sit there and you look at this, this Carolina football team, man, and everybody wants to come down on Bryce Young. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people do. And you sit there and you look at the offensive line, it's kind of shaky. Uh, and then you look at their weapons. And Tennessee the other day, the Titans, they you know they were kind of bracketing Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen obviously has become Bryce Young's favorite receiver. I mean, and with you know he's the best receiver that they have on the team. But obviously, <laughs> Adam Thielen is not a dynamic guy. He never was really dynamic. He was a really good receiver, but he was not a guy that was going to you know, take the top off the defense or anything like that. And defenses know that's where Bryce wants to go with the football right now. And the Titans took that away the other day. Teams are going to continue to do that going forward, and it's just going to be make things even worse. So we'll have to see how this thing works out. But I'm really, really hoping that Bryce Young can uh, get the right guy in there because I do not – I'm look, I'm not – hating on C.J. Stroud at all, but you know, look, I do not think the difference between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is this much. If you want to say C.J. is the better quarterback, fine. But I'm just not believing that Bryce Young, that this is the, this is his end game. I'm not believing that. I think that uh, Carolina has to do something in their front office, and then they've got to get their roster straight, and then we'll see what we have in Bryce Young. But, uh, you know, they sit there at 1-10 right now, which is just crazy, crazy season there in Carolina. But uh, we'll see what they come up with as their new coach. Uh, the other big game in the South, man, the NFC South. Last weekend, the Saints going to Atlanta, the big rivalry, New Orleans and the Falcons. Falcons coming away with the big 24-15 win. It was a good chance uh, for New Orleans to kind of do what the, uh, Jacksonville did in the AFC South and put a little separation between them and the Falcons. They did not get it done. So here we are, tied 5-6 and six at the top of the division. Tampa Bay is a game back at 4-7. and seven. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I, one of these teams is going to make the playoffs. One of these teams, man. Uh, going to be interesting to see how that plays out but looking ahead to this week's action uh, you've got uh, the Colts out of the AFC South playing at Tennessee uh, the Colts again we'll have to see about Gardner Minshew going into that game uh, there's some question marks about whether he'll be ready but I, you have to go with the Colts in that football game I would think <laughs> uh, you got the New Orleans Saints maybe the, the game of the weekend 
uh, with the teams here in NFC, AFC South. You look at the Saints hosting the Detroit Lions. The Lions coming off their huge loss to Green Bay. And I don't want to say, oh, man, just really quick, man. Jordan Love, I, I've I've liked Jordan Love from day one. I think this dude is is uh, going to be the real deal at some point if they get everything right, everything right around him. Uh, had a pretty good game there last week against Detroit. I really like uh, Jordan Love. I really do. So we'll see how that plays out. But the Lions will try to get back on their feet after that loss last week on uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, big spot for the Saints, man. They, this is a very important game, obviously, where they continue to try to win the NFC South. You got the Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay. Um, <laughs> I mean, that game is what it is. And then um, that's pretty much it for the Suns. Uh, yeah, the uh, Broncos. Really, another pretty good matchup. I'm sorry, the, uh, the Broncos traveling to Houston. The Denver Broncos are a team you have to really talk about because, man, that defense. It was mind-boggling where we thought that defense was going to be pretty good. They were really good last season. And then sit there, they gave up 70 points to Miami. I think they gave up 30 points. It was 35 points the next week. I uh, could not believe what we were seeing at all. Obviously, there were questions about Russell Wilson. Was he done? They have really gotten that thing together. And now... Uh, I don't think they're going to win the AFC West, but they are a threat. If they can get a wild card spot, that is a dangerous football team. <laughs> that is a dangerous football team. You sit there and look at them, man. Uh, you know, offensively, they're still maybe a little challenged, but they're well-rounded. Javante Williams is running the ball pretty decent, I'd say, lately. Obviously got off to a bad start. The entire team did. But I think they have something in that. I think they have, you know, the receivers sudden. I think maybe Jerry Judy, to a certain extent, are starting to make a few plays here and there. Uh, and then defensively, man, look, they can come at you. And, and with them playing, where they're playing defensively, they don't have to score a lot. And you look at Russell Wilson's numbers this season, uh, 21, uh, almost 2,200 yards. 20 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He has made a really strong comeback, and that's a really good quarterback matchup this Sunday in Houston between Russell Wilson and C.J. Stroud, the young and the old. So, or the young and the mature. Maybe Russell don't want me to call him old, but uh, <laughs> you know how that goes. But anyway, should be an interesting football game uh, there in Houston. The Texans come in a three-and-a-half point favorite. Interesting line right there. Broncos, they won five in a row. I think the Broncos get their sixth in a row. I like the Broncos in that game to cover that three and a half. I like them straight up to win the game there in Houston. That is one of the bigger games to me on the slate for this Sunday. Uh, you got the Falcons at the Jets. Falcons going in two point favorite again. Huge game. This is a that's a must win for Atlanta, man. I mean, you, that is a winnable game first of all against the Jets team that's obviously obviously challenged offensively. Falcons have lost many games already. Games like the you know the game in Nashville to the Titans. 
games that they're going to look back on and say, you know what, we should have won that football game. We were the better team, and we didn't get it done. So this is that type game again for the for the uh, Falcons. They're in New York or Meadowlands, whatever you want to call it. We'll see if they get it done this time to stay to try and stay uh, right there with the Saints in the division. A couple more of the big games coming up on Sunday. You have again you know, that Detroit Lions Saints game. The Lions come in four and a half point favorites there in New Orleans. I think that's going to be a tight game. I like Detroit pulling out a tight win there in New Orleans. I think maybe New Orleans covers that four and a half. Maybe they keep it within a field goal, but I like the Lions to win that football game. Dolphins at the Commanders. Obviously, man, nine and a half point favorites. The Dolphins come in. Give me the Dolphins uh, minus the nine and a half. Uh, You got... Kansas City Chiefs at the at the Packers. Chiefs come in six point favorites. Give me the Chiefs in that game, but I, I really like where the Packers are. They've been playing pretty well of late. Uh, that's the Sunday night game. We'll see how that goes, but uh, I do like the Chiefs in that game. Um, gave you the Texans. I think the Broncos win that game over the Texans. And uh, the bigger game, the really big game of the day. They're in the four o'clock window. If you're in the Eastern Time Zone, three o'clock window here in my in my neck of the woods. The 49ers three point favorites at Philadelphia. <sighs> Interesting game. I mean, um, I mean, right now I think this is your NFC Championship game. Some kind of way, maybe the Cowboys have something to say about that. Um. I like the I like the Eagles in this football game, but it's, it's yeah, I can I can see this going game going either way. I really can, and and, and man, three point favor for the Niners. Um, man, it's a this is a tough one. This is a tough one right here, man. Forty um, Niners have here all of their weapons back. They've shown that here in the last few weeks. They uh, really strong performance against Seattle last weekend. Uh, a couple blowouts before that. They went to Jacksonville and just really humiliated the Jaguars in Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. I like, uh, I like, but I like the Eagles to win this game. The Eagles are just finding a way, just like they did this past Sunday in overtime against Buffalo. I think the same thing happens in this game. Another really tight game, right down to the wire, to giving the Eagles to win that football game. Yeah, a lot going on in the NFL. We're getting down to cases, man. We really are. Uh, man, I really wanted to get into some NBA today, but I'm not going to really be able to do it because I wanted to keep this uh, this show kind of short, at least for, <laughs> for me anyway, because I can go an hour and a half and all of that. So I'm going to try to keep it around an hour, maybe a little over an hour. So we're not going to get into much NBA right now. The... Um, in-season tournament, I think all of the teams are pretty much set for the quarterfinal knockout round. Unfortunately, the Houston Rockets did not make it, but, man, I'm proud of my Rockets, man. We're sitting 8-8 right now. Eh, you know, <laughs> had a couple games that could have gone our way that we um, blew on that West Coast trip out to uh, California. Had to get the loss to San Antonio earlier in the season that we kind of blew, so we could be doing a little bit better than we are. 
but I like to fight in this basketball team. And, I, you know, kind of give you an example. I mean, the Nuggets, the Rockets have beaten them twice already, the defending champs there. They beat them in Houston. And they're playing on the back-to-back last night. I'm coming at you Thursday night. And uh, the Rockets played the Nuggets last night off of back at, after losing to, to Dallas on Tuesday night in the in-season tournament. And, you know, I expected the, the Nuggets to really be focused because of the fact that they had already lost to the Rockets twice. And I think that's exactly the way they played. Jamal Murray made his return last night against the Rockets. And then this so happens that Fred Van Vliet was going through an injury where he did not play. So, um, and the Rockets, again, they lost the game. They lost by double digits, but, but they hung in that game all night long. I, I, that game, to me, if this was the Rockets' last season, <laughs> season before last, that was a 30 40 point beat down waiting to happen. <laughs> so, it, to me, it kind of shows just how far this team has come. Not where we want to be right now, but starting to get closer. And uh, it's really good to see. I'm really excited about that basketball team, man. Really wanted them to be able to make that knockout round, but. Man, just too much Luka the other night. He had over 40 points against us. Kyrie Irving hit some timely shots and all of that. Just didn't have enough offense to beat the Dallas Mavericks. But they still won two out of the four games in the group round. So, again, really good stuff from them as well. Anyway, we're going to get into a lot more NBA next week, especially the week following that. Because obviously, we're talking a lot of college football and all that next week as we get ready for the playoffs and all of that. But we're going to get deep into the NBA because it's been really good action. I know we got some, a lot of, you know, extracurricular things going on. Josh Giddy and some, um, <laughs> got some heat on him right now. Something about him being with a minor or whatever. Got a couple other big-time news stories going on around the NBA. So we'll get into all of that here at a later date. Anyway, man, we're going to come back. We're going to close out the show. We're going to, I'm going to talk about this SEC championship game. We're going to talk about the Celebration Bowl. I'm sorry, not the Celebration Bowl. The SWAT championship. Excuse me. <laughs> as the HBCUs are closing out their season as well. And uh, by the way, before I say that, I'm going to congratulate North Carolina Central on their trip to the playoffs. Unfortunately, uh, it was cut short. They did uh, played the one game there, and they they end up losing. But uh, in North Carolina Central and HBCU out of the MEAC made their trip to the uh, playoff. Played pretty well in that game, but they came up short. But definitely proud of them making the playoff. And I, that's, what I, that's what I would like to see more of, more HBCUs making the playoff and uh, doing their thing. Anyway. Coming right back, we'll talk about this SEC championship game. We'll wrap up the show with a few picks when Ball About the South continues. All right, y'all. Let's get into it and close this thing out. SEC championship game. Huge matchup there. Georgia and Alabama. And I mean, I'll tell you, after all of the season, we were talking about there being a lot of parity in the SEC, which I think that there is, but 
talked about teams like Missouri making their come up. Talked about Ole Miss coming up with a 10-win season of their own. Some other teams look at Kentucky coming up with a huge win this past weekend against Louisville. That was a huge win for Mark Stoops. But I, I, I can guarantee you, though, <laughs> I guarantee you with the, the, the Wildcats scoring 38 points in their game, there are a lot of fans that wear blue that like Kentucky that are wondering where in the hell was that offense all season? <laughs> I mean, does that what does that say about Louisville? What does that say about the ACC? That was an interesting football game, no doubt. But they got it done. And, um, you know, so we've had some really good performances. And then again, on the flip side of that, though, really, sitting you look at the SEC, there's not really a... That may be the best out-of-conference win all season that the, that the SEC has. It, may, it very well may be. Georgia did not play a big-time uh, out-of-conference game this season. They had the Oklahoma game that would have been scheduled and got canceled. So that's that's why they were not... Uh, they did not have a really good schedule because that Oklahoma game got canceled because they're going to play Oklahoma, uh, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league. It didn't make sense for Georgia and Oklahoma to play this season. So that's kind of why they kind of, you know, canceled that one out. So, you know, Alabama obviously lost to Texas. LSU lost to Florida State. <laughs> So, you know, man, it, it, it's, it's really been kind of crazy, kind of a crazy year in the SEC. We've seen some teams really play well, but as a whole, the conference, again, has not made a lot of strides out of conference. So we'll see how this thing goes. But after all that, after all that was said and done, after, you know, thinking about, you know, could Tennessee be that team that could break through and get to the um SEC championship game. Could it be Ole Miss? Could it be LSU? Everyone favored LSU coming into the season. Did all of that for these last few months and it comes right back to Georgia and Alabama. So, what are a couple of keys in this game? Uh, for me, I think, especially from an Alabama standpoint, I think playing with the lead could be very uh, important in this game because I think that if you're playing with the lead, I think you can call the play, call the game a little bit differently. If you're Tommy Reese, uh, you don't have to sit there and force anything in the passing game. You can kind of lean more on your run game. You can lean more on your your option game. Run, you know, with uh, RPO that type thing with Jalen Milrow. Obviously, you want to stay away from, you know, down the distance is huge for Alabama in this football game. You cannot <laughs> get into a lot of third and longs. That is a recipe for disaster. So, to me, those are the two biggest keys for Alabama in this game, especially in the offensive end. Defensively, um, I don't know what you do with Brock Bowers, man. <laughs> no one's been able to figure that out. No one has figured out what to do with Brock Bowers. So I, I can't say what Alabama can do with him. If they can do anything with him or if, they, if Brock Bowers goes off and, and they don't allow anyone else to hurt them, 
then maybe that's the formula. Uh, obviously, I think getting a lot of pressure on Carson Beck is going to be very vital in this football game. So, I mean, those are some of the keys for me from an Alabama standpoint. Obviously, if you're Georgia, some of the same thing. Uh, Alabama's pass rush has been pretty good for the most part. So, obviously, I think the same thing for them. I don't think you want to get into a lot of third and longs and giving, uh, uh, you know, Alabama's defense, you know, their, that pass rush a chance to get to Carson Beck. Uh, but, you know, Georgia, they're so steady in everything that they do in all phases of the game. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing turns out. <laughs> uh, you sit there and you look at this game. You talk about points. Talking about a point total. Uh, right now, let me go back and look here. See if I can know the odds. Georgia's really been around four, four and a half. Now they're up to five and a half. Um, right now, the total points. The total was 54 and a half. Now, if you sit there and you go back, this is the fourth time that Georgia and Alabama played in the SEC championship game. Uh, if those games were any indication, you played over. You look at the first game back in uh, 2012, 32-28, Alabama wins that game. A.J. McCarron had the long pass to uh, Amari Cooper late in that game to win it. But you had 60 points in that game. 21, I'm sorry, uh, go back to 18. The Jalen Hurts game where he came in uh, and rescued Tua Tonga-Valoa and the rest of the team, of course. 35-28, so you had 63 points in that game. And then you go back to 2021, the last time that these teams played in, <coughs> excuse me, played in this environment. 41-24 Alabama. Again, 65 points in that game. So, I think the 54 and a half may be a little bit low. I think that's an interesting trend that all three of those games in the championship have been right around that number. Now, the, the um, national championship game was a little bit different. 33-18. That played within this number, but you have to remember in that game, Alabama was out without Jameson Williams. They were without uh, John Mechie in that football game. And uh, Alabama's offense was really kind of limited. So, I would, you know, looking at that, if you're going to play this number, man, I would play the over if it stays around this 54 and a half. That's what's how I would do it. Again, <laughs> Georgia five and a half point favorite in the football game. Um, and again, I think it's gone up a little bit. I think it started out at four, four and a half, inching up here a little bit here in the last couple of days. I don't know, man. <laughs> I like Alabama in this football game. And it's not because that I'm just, you know, looking through this thing with crimson colored glasses. I like Alabama's chances because. I think Georgia is it, 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 it's just at some point this streak is going to end and I think that you sit down and you look at this Georgia team they've had some vulnerabilities in themselves they've shown a couple chinks in the armor 
in my opinion. This team is, you know, we've seen some teams be able to make some plays downfield against them. I think one thing that was talked about with this Auburn game against Alabama, a lot of people talking about how Auburn ran the ball very well against Alabama. That is definitely a major concern. There's no question about it. But Auburn was able to run the ball well against Georgia as well. Auburn ran for over 200 yards in that game. If you remember that game, Back in October, or things either end of September, early October, Auburn was tied in that game right up to about the two or three minute mark before Brock Bowers had that touchdown pass from um, from uh, Beck and basically broke a few tackles and went by, I think it was about 45, 50 yards. But that game <laughs> was in doubt in Auburn as well. Both of those games went right down to the wire for the talk for, for the Auburn Tigers. They could not pull out either one of them, but uh, again, this is a very, very good Georgia team, but uh, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. And Jalen Milrow may be the best quarterback they've seen this season. And, and that's, <laughs> that's crazy to say right now after what he's been through, what this Alabama football team has been through. But I really believe that could be the case. I like Alabama in this game. And again, I'm going to keep it with that theme, keeping it up, going above that 54-and-a-half total. I like Alabama to win this football game 33-28. I say 33-29. You know, there'll probably be maybe a two-point conversion or something in there or whatever. Tight, tight football game. Right down the wire could be another game was decided right there at the end of the game, maybe the last play. But I like Alabama to win this football game. And then we'll see what happens after that. I don't know if that'll be a good be good enough for Alabama to get into the playoff or not. And then if Alabama does win this game, what do you, what do you do with Georgia? It's gonna be interesting. Anyway, let me give you a couple more picks here. <laughs> uh championship Saturday college football uh Obviously, let's go back and look at a couple of these games before we close this thing out. Let's look at the Big Ten Championship first. Michigan comes in. In that game, I think in Indianapolis, I want to say. Obviously, the Michigan Wolverines come in a big favorite here. I like the Wolverines to get it done. Uh, But, you know, again, you you just... You kind of have to watch this game. You never know. I was, you know, you sit there, and you, 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 they kind of lull you to sleep with their offense. Uh, they've been, they've won a lot of games, thirteen to ten. Obviously, they're going to have to score more than that. I don't think that they can, but you never know. Michigan twenty-two point favorite. I definitely like Iowa to come in under that number. Give me the Wolverines, but I like the the Hawkeyes to, to cover that twenty-two points. There in the Big Ten Championship game. Louisville in Florida State. Uh, Knowles come in one and a half point favorite. Really sorry about what happened to Jordan Travis. They come out with a really big win in the swamp this past weekend with their backup 24-15 victory over the Florida Gators. Uh, man, I like Florida State in this game. I mean, Louisville's defense looked horrible against Kentucky. I think Florida State wins this game. They're only a point and a half favorite. I like FSU in that game, minus the one and a half. Uh, 
the AAC championship, SMU and Tulane. What a year it has been for both those squads. Tulane obviously hosting that game. They're ranked number 22, more than likely, or, or you know, very, quite possibly, a um, New Year's Six Bowl on the line for the winner of this game. Give me Tulane minus a three and a half in that game. I like them over the Mustangs on, on Saturday. And we'll finish it off, man, with that game, the Big 12. Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, going up against the Texas Longhorns. Longhorns come in 15 and a half point favorites in that game. It's a lot of points in my opinion. I'm not sure Oklahoma State can win this game. I think, well, no, let me rephrase that. I think they can win the game. I don't think that they will. But, but I definitely do not see Texas covering that 15 and a half. I like the Cowboys to cover the 15 and a half in that football game. And then you got the SWAC championship coming up this weekend. Um, FAMU. Oh, wait, before I get to the SWAC championship, I have to go back to the Pac-12. Pac-12 championship, Oregon and Washington. I've been thinking about this game since really uh, immediately after that 33-30 victory by Washington at uh, at home against Oregon earlier in the season. I like the Ducks, man. I like the Ducks in this football game. I think they get it done. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. I don't. I have no clue <laughs> how the selection committee does with those two Pac-12 schools after that. And SWAC championship game, man. Uh, trip to the Celebration Bowl on the line. FAMU has been dominant all season long. Really, the last two seasons, really. Give me FAMU. Besides, well, besides Jackson State last year, but even you know, FAMU has been really good. Willie Sims has done a fantastic job there in Tallahassee. Give me FAMU, and they will make their trip to the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta in a couple weeks. So yeah, so you know, it's going to be a really good weekend of football, I believe. Uh, I think you have a really good slate of games there in the NFL to look forward to. Obviously, the big one, the 49ers and the Eagles. Everyone's going to be watching that one. Quite possibly preview of the NFC Championship game. And then I think Championship Saturday in college football is going to be incredible. Um, I, I didn't really predict chaos, but don't be surprised at all. <laughs> Do not be surprised if we have some major chaos to talk about right back here next week on Ball About the South. Anyway, man, I really appreciate you coming in and checking me out. Please hit the like button, subscribe, share the podcast, make a comment. Let me know what you think about Ball About the South. One thing I did not get into, I did want to talk about some of uh, talking about that fourth and 31 play. <laughs> Comparing it to the second and 26 play by Tua Tonga Valoa. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about that? I'm going to put that question on Spotify at least. Let me know your you know your reaction. Which was the better play? Uh, for me, I, I still probably have to lean second and 26 because obviously it meant the national championship for Alabama. But I don't know. Then, then maybe I shouldn't ask that question until maybe a few weeks from now to see where Alabama is after this season. I don't know, but I'm gonna put it in in uh, on Spotify. So let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm, I'm down for chatting about sports at any time, man. Hit me up. We'll definitely appreciate that. If this is your first time 
coming in to ball about the south with me i hope that it is not your last anyway man i really appreciate you come back and holler at me next week for another round of ball about the south peace